Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lent, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, verses 11 through 25, called The Shaping of a Leader. So he's done this now, verse 13, Exodus 2, uh, next scene, if you will. He went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting. Now, two brethren, not an Egyptian and a Hebrew, but two uh, family members, if you will, in servitude, probably frustrated, probably tired. That happens sometimes, but they were fighting. And this is a physical fight with each other. And he, Moses, said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? Why? Are you beating each other up? Why do this? And I'm going to mention something that is reality in our world, that there is abuse that happens to people sometimes within the setting of a marriage or a family. And oftentimes it is buried and not spoken about. And people get caught in a cycle of abuse. And this just jumped off the page, and I'll, I'll just put it before you for, if, if it's for somebody hearing this or who will watch this later, here's a question. Why are you striking your companion? Why are you doing that? There is no excuse for that. Whether you are a male or a female, whether you decide that your anger must be manifested in throwing something at your spouse or even striking them or pushing them or threatening them with your voice, it is not Okay. It's not okay. Why do you do that? Says Moses, the deliverer. But the response is, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? That Moses, then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. Now, Moses thought that his people would understand But they saw him as perhaps a Johnny-come-lately leader. Or maybe, because I'm sure people knew the story of Moses, maybe they said something like this, where have you been for decades as we're getting beat out here? You're up in the palace getting your education. They're feeding you grapes and fanning you. Now you finally care? Maybe some of that. I don't know. But there's disdain, and, and somehow they know what Moses has done. They have witnessed it. And so Moses, once again, typifies Jesus Christ. Coming to intervene, give us hope and life, and many reject Jesus. Many of his own people, when he came, of course, would not receive him. The leadership of Israel, largely, although there were some who believed, some Pharisees who believed, largely rejected him. And they said, Who are you and by what authority do you do these things? Who made you prince and judge? Uh, God. (laughs) Because I am God. But boy, they had issues. And when Pharaoh heard of this matter, the Pharaoh tried to kill Moses, Exodus 2.15. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now, there's a big transition in the life of Moses. First 40 years in Egypt, he kills the Egyptian. He confronts uh, uh, an argument or a fight. 
He's exposed. The Pharaoh wants, puts a death sentence on his head and off to Midian he goes. And I'll just say, there's some different uh, views on where, what Midian represents, but the Midianites were descendants of Abraham through a wife named Keturah, Genesis 25. And this land is somewhere in the Arabian Sinai Peninsula uh, near the Gulf of Aqaba. And I'll just say to you that this is the desert. This is, if you want to think Sinai, you've got the picture now. Moses is going out to this people of Midian, this land of Midian. He's now gone out to the wilderness. Moses has his own exodus from Egypt, and now he's going to have 40 years where? In the wilderness. For what? To prepare him to lead the people out. He will experience his own individual exodus, his own 40 years in the wilderness, all in preparation and shaping him as a leader. And sometimes, you know, we're doing life and we're like, Lord, this is a wilderness, the 91 freeway. (laughs) What am I doing here? Stuck among cars. Oh, that you would give my car wings. Oh, that you would get me out of the desert, you know. Why do you have me here for years in this situation? Preparation. (laughs) Everything can be preparatory in your life, right? You learn faithfulness. You learn, you know, that God, and and this is something that you've probably heard before, but God does his shaping of many great Bible characters in the wilderness. Even Jesus Spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, retracing the fallen footsteps of Israel as the Messiah. And sometimes we're in the wilderness, and that's where God gets our attention without all the noise, without all the devices. The last year of our lives certainly has been a wilderness. (laughs) You remember the early days? No sports, no this, no that. Like, what am I going to do now? Some of you discovered that you waste a lot of time on things that have no value. I don't do that. You guys do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, let me, let me qualify this. I believe that there should be times when you get to kick back, watch a movie, enjoy recreation. Don't get me wrong here because we, we get weird and legalistic sometimes. You should, should enjoy that stuff. But if you find that the value that you put in front of your eyes and face is constantly... Nothing to do with the kingdom. Nothing to do with what's transcendent. Nothing to do with extending his kingdom. You may want to reevaluate. And some of us have been put in a situation and God has allowed this last year to occur, perhaps, at least in part, that we might have a wilderness experience. Here is God at work in a way that Moses surely surely didn't recognize at the time, quoting just as we can virtually never understand how our miseries and emergencies at the time we are experiencing them might end up leading to a blessing. It's hard. It's hard to see. Can you imagine being Moses? Think of all the privilege he had. Maybe, maybe he did what a lot of us do. He rotated it in his mind. Did I do the right thing? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Woulda, shoulda, coulda. All that stuff. Off to Midian he goes. He sits down at a well. Now the priest of Midian, 16, had seven daughters. And they came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Now now we're in Midian. Again, another fast forward here. Don't know how long the journey was. Moses sits down by a well. And the first thing we see about Midian 
is that there's a priest of Midian. And Moses is going to be what? The intercessor. He comes from the priestly line of Israel. And this particular man undoubtedly will begin to pour spiritually into Moses. Another phase of God shaping a leader. There's, this is no accident, brethren. God has shaped Moses through his education and now he is shaping him through this uh, spiritual encounter. The daughters, uh, they're shepherded, shepherdesses like Rachel was, other women who did take care of the sheep. It would, it would appear that that's what they do. There's apparently no sons. And they're watering their father's flock. And this is providential, no doubt. God is moving. Later, we'll find out that the priest is, the priest is called Raul, and his name literally means friend of God, or God is a friend. He'll also be known as Jethro in chapter 3. And so he is a priest. He is a friend of God, or God is his friend. And Moses is a man who eventually it will be said of him that he meets with God like nobody else does. He meets with God face to face. And this idiom in Hebrew doesn't mean that Moses saw God's face. It means that Moses had the closest intimate relationship that you can have as a human. We'll talk more about this as we move on in Exodus. And who does he meet first in Midian? Well, he's going to meet the daughters, but a man whose name means I know God and he knows me and I have an intimate relationship with him. This is what God does. Even when we don't see his providential hand, he's putting people into our lives and situations to shape us into the image of Christ until Christ is formed in us. Perhaps Raul will give priestly instruction to Moses. All will be valuable to what's ahead. Then the shepherds came down, came and drove them away, the girls. But Moses stood up. Here's another example of Moses standing up. He stands up to uh, help his brethren from an Egyptian. He stands up to break up a fight among two Hebrews. He stands up now, and I would imagine he was tired, and he might have been saying something like this, oh, no, not again. Can anybody get along? (laughs) Shepherds come down, hey, ladies, get out of the way, man. Let us take care of what we're going to Shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up, and he helped. See that word help there? ESV says saved. NIV says he came to the rescue. You know what word that is in Hebrew? It's connected to a Hebrew noun. It's Yeshua. Moses Yeshua'd them. He saved them. He delivered them. You know whose name that is? That's Jesus. Yeshua is a word used in Hebrew of deliverance, salvation. And Moses, a type of Christ, comes and he saves them from these other false shepherds, if you get the picture here, and he waters their flock. And Jesus Christ gives us living water. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 77, 20. Moses stood up. What is this, the third time he does it? He risked his own well-being, pun intended, because it was by a well. Come on, give me a little love. Yeah, okay. And when they came to Raul, known later as Jethro, their father, 18, Moses has intervened now. He said, why did you come back so soon today? It usually takes longer than this. And they said, 
an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. This is probably an ongoing problem. And what is more, he even drew water for us. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Yeshua is a word used in Hebrew of deliverance, salvation, and Moses, a type of Christ, comes and he saves them from these other false shepherds, if you get the picture here, and he waters their flock, and Jesus Christ gives us living water. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 77, 20. Moses stood up. What is this? The third time he does it? He risked his own well-being, pun intended, because it was by a well. Come on, give me a little love. Yeah, okay. And when they came to Raul, known later as Jethro, their father, 18, Moses has intervened now. He said, Why have you come back so soon today? It usually takes longer than this. And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. This is probably an ongoing problem. And what is more, he even drew water for us. He's strong and fast, tall, dark, and handsome. And he even watered the flock. Wow. Now they identify Moses as an Egyptian. Why? Because he'd been raised. That's all he knew. Moses never knew anything but Egypt. He looked like an Egyptian. He was educated like an Egyptian. He probably had clothing like an Egyptian. He certainly walked like an Egyptian. Mm -hmm. And now this is a dad. He said to his daughters, where is he? (laughs) Where's the guy at? Seven daughters. Come on, help me out, ladies. Why is it that you left the man behind? I've been waiting for this moment for years. I've been praying. There's seven of you that have to be married off. Why would you leave him sitting there? Bring him home for dinner. Get the guy something to eat. Give me a break. So they read between the lines. They go back to the well. Moses was willing, content to live with the man. This is a lot, uh, obviously condensed. 
and a lot has gone on, but he settles there and he gets, uh, Raul gave his daughter Zipporah. Her name means sparrow to Moses. So Moses left Egypt single. He now has a wife. And uh, he's received, if you will, by non-Jews, rejected by his Jewish brethren, received by the Gentiles. Some scholars see in this another type of Jesus, right? Rejected by his own people largely. And the gospel eventually gets to the Gentiles. See where it says he gave his daughter Zipporah? This is the origin in weddings. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? When a pastor asks that, this is the ancient origin of it. Because fathers gave their daughters in marriage. They had to have, you had to have dad's permission. And literally there was a contract and a dowry. And, you know, there was actually an agreement by family before the dad gave the daughter away. Who gives, who gives this woman? This is the origin. And she gave birth to a son and he named him Gershom. For he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. Some see in Garash the root of Gershom that it can be to drive out or to expel. But it has the main idea of an alien, which Moses is. And it came about, we're almost done. In the course of many days, the king of Egypt died. The one who put the price on Moses' head and the sons of Israel sighed. Because of the bondage, the change in leadership didn't change their situation. They cried out or screamed, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. Now, the hero of the Exodus takes center stage. God will be mentioned five times and his heart towards his people. So God, 24, heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He never forgets, but... This is when the promises will be realized is captured in the word remember. He, he's about to act. There's a great line I read this week that says God remembers his covenant and forgets our sins. So good. And God's about to take action. God remembered the covenant he had made with the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel. There's the idea of compassion. And God took notice of them. He remembered. You know, we we could sometimes say, why doesn't he act now? Why why didn't he see years before us doing the mud dance in Egypt? He saw it. But the deliverer is being prepared and God is about to act. God knew his people and he knew their pain. Father, So we pause here for a a moment just to let a lot of information settle into our souls. I pray that whatever's been from me that's not valuable to your people, they would quickly forget. But whatever's been from your spirit, I pray that it would go deep into our hearts and do a conforming work. That it would actually do what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2, it would perform its work in us who believe conform us. This is a dangerous prayer, but here it is. Conform us into the image of your son. Uh, It's dangerous in this sense that sometimes I'm not sure we're ready for it and all that it might mean. But we watch Moses and he's going through pain and rejection and maybe even question marks about what he should do and how he should do it. And yet at the same time, you're working and we don't always see it, but you know us. You know our pain. 
You know our struggles and you care. And you so loved us that you gave your son to your bride. And we are so humbled and grateful. And I pray as we study the Exodus story, we'll see a story of our own salvation, a story of our own sanctification, Lord, and that we'll grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you just take a moment? Would you just bow your heart? If you're not sure that you know this great Savior, Jesus, this would be a great time to get to know him, trust him, understand what he did for you, understand his powerful sacrifice, and just repent of your sin and trust in him and him alone for your salvation. Become part of his family. Something this simple yet this profound, Lord Jesus, I believe in who you are, why you came to this planet. I thank you that you died on the cross for me, paid the penalty for my sin. I turn from it and trust in you. I believe in your resurrection from the dead. And I want to learn to walk with you. And I know you have a ministry today interceding and forming me more and more to be like you. Help me, Lord. Maybe you're a prodigal. A very similar prayer would be very appropriate. And for the saints, Lord, here, I just pray that they would bask in the beauty of this last, these last couple of verses. God took notice. God cares. He knows. And he's prepared a, an answer in the gospel that no one will ever take away from us. Father, we love you. I pray you bless each precious person here. Bless the things on their heart. Reach out your hand, Lord, and stabilize those who are feeling a bit of unstable. Those who may need a healing touch, I pray that you'd extend your hand in mercy. You know the needs, you know the hearts, Lord, and I pray that you'd be doing a work in these last moments of this service. We don't just move on to the next thing, but help us to worship you. Continue an attitude of worship as we move into this last uh, expression of uh, song to you. I ask all of this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to The Shaping of a Leader, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, verses 11 through 25. And if you miss any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on whatever you heard in his teaching today. Or maybe you have a question about something else or need encouragement or prayer. Or maybe you just want to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the bottom line about shaping a leader is that God is shaping you and me. We just need to be a willing vessel fit for the master's use. And the master potter does his shaping, doesn't he? And he he shapes and molds and shapes and molds and he uses water and the process, the word. You know, you can think about uh, his faithful shaping hands. That's what he does. That's what he's doing in your life, my friend. If you're a Christian right now, he is shaping you. And it's so beautiful to know he's doing a mighty work in your life. 
No, it doesn't happen instantaneously. You know, Moses had a long stretch, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert, 40 years as a leader, and he made some mistakes, but the Lord used him mightily. He, you know, spoke to God face to face as one man speaks to a friend. He had a a close personal relationship with the Lord, and that's how we get shaped. We get to know him better, and he does the shaping. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, if you're new to the broadcast, this is Walk in Truth. It's a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. Hey, if you'd like to know more about the church or even to talk to a pastor, we do have a number that you can call. It's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH. We have pastors here during daytime business hours that could are more than willing to talk and pray with you. We have a lot going on in the fellowship. And uh, if you want to know more, if you've been out of fellowship for a while, you'd like to worship with us, you like the teaching style, the kind of verse-by-verse exposition that you're hearing, well, that comes from the pulpit of living truth. And the best way to get info and driving directions, keep it simple, go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. Walkintruth.com, click on the church tab. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. Thank you for your prayers, for your partnership, and for your love. We appreciate you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can always give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 3 called The Burning Bush. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.